It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome in to the DNVR Rockies podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Lyons, back in action from the winter meetings from Nashville, Tennessee. And boy, oh boy, is there plenty of baseball news to finally talk about. We'll get into all the details of Shohei Otani's $700 million deal. That isn't exactly a $700 million deal. The implications for the Rockies. There is some Rockies news out there in the world that I've uh, gotten a chance to, to be a part of there at the winter meetings, talking with Bill Schmidt and manager Bud Black. Some, some miscellaneous free agent news. Now that we can finally move on, since Shohei Otani has made his choice. He is a Los Angeles Dodgers. Seems like that was the place he wanted to be this entire time. And when I tell you that this man doesn't care about money, you're going to laugh because he signed a 10-year, $700 million deal over the weekend. We're finally able to talk about it now. The thing about it is it's a bit skewed. That $700 million deal, yes, he'll get paid $700 million by the end of 2043. Now, $700 million in 20 years from now isn't the same as $700 million today, which is why ultimately his contract ends up shaking out to probably be a lot closer to 10 years, $460 million, which is kind of a surprise. It's kind of a surprise to think that he's not actually getting half of a million dollars. Yes, he will eventually get more than that, but because of inflation, he's getting $460 million in what is 2023 bucks. Now, again, that is kind of a surprise to me that he didn't get that total. Could he have gotten more out there? We know the Angels were one of the finalists. The Blue Jays were also in that mix just a little bit. I had thought that the Giants were going to make a, a major play as they're really looking for that next superstar since Buster Posey has retired and that, that core of guys that won three World Series has moved on. But Dodgers get Otani and... Now that we've had some time to kind of reflect on some things, people saying that the baseball system is a little bit broken. And in some ways, I, I think I would agree with that. We also know that despite the way that it's been operating, teams in the smaller markets, teams that don't have very large payrolls, can still compete. You don't need to necessarily spend a ton of money. Look at what the Mets did this year in not making the postseason. And the Padres who did not make the postseason despite spending all that money. So sure, they're making a lot more on jersey sales, jersey sales and, and, and merchandising and all that stuff. Uh, but the bottom line is, are you winning games? Are you going to the postseason? Are you winning World Series? And spending money doesn't exactly guarantee that. That being said, Dodgers now have Shohei Otani, Mookie Betts, and Freddie Freeman. Absolutely wild. So one of the reasons why Otani was able to pull this deal off is because... The CBA, the collective bargaining agreement that was negotiated by both the owner's side and the, uh, the Players Association. And they saw fit that, you know what, you can defer some money. And there's basically a formula to figure out, well, how much money is it? So you're not totally shirking around and going, going around the, the deal, uh, going around what we consider to be normal money. That being said, not a lot of players are doing that. 
right? There are players that are taking deferred money, but the teams also have their finances in order uh, to be able to to go ahead and, and pay $680 million because this deal is backloaded, $680 million. Yes, Shohei Otani will be making $20 million from the Dodgers directly over the next 10 years. Let that sink in. He's going to make $2 million next year from his team. He's making the same amount of money as Garrett Hampson just signed to be a member of the Kansas City Royals. That's the reality of, the, of this, right? Tyler Kinley is only getting paid a little bit less than what Shohei Otani will get paid from the Dodgers. That being said, $50 million is how much he's making each and every year through endorsement deals. So he doesn't need that money right now. Jumping into the chat, want to hear from you guys. I also want to know, we'll get to it here in just a second, is, is, this, is this harder for Angels fans to deal with Shohei Otani? Obviously, it's very difficult. Is it more difficult? Is it more challenging? Is it more shocking than when the Rockies traded Nolan Arenado? Who has it worse? But let's go to the chat. Will saying Padres wanted to do a similar deal with Aaron Judge. Similar, yet different, right? They wanted to make it a 14-year deal so that it was going to take him until he was age 44. Now, that is something that the commissioner would have jumped in and not allowed uh, to happen because that is very much trying to go around the luxury tax threshold, right? Um, by, by lowering the average annual val uh, value in order to pay him until he's 44 years old, that's kind of going against the, the basic understanding uh, and, and the morals of what a contract is like. This is just a little bit different. Otani can, can go ahead and, and wait. Uh, but how it's going to be viewed is $46 million each and every year for $10 million. That's how it breaks down when you look at the money he's going to make directly from the Dodgers in this 10-year period, and then the money in the next 10-year period from, I believe, 2034 to 2043, that's $680 million. Altogether, again, we're talking about $460 million of real dollars in today's day and age. So, yes, uh, they will pay him $700 million, but if you're paying him $100 million in 2043, how much is that worth today? I, I don't know the exact number of what that is, but it's almost certainly not $100 million today. It's much less than that because of interest. So now that we understand it a little bit more, you need an economics degree, I think, to kind of understand what's happening, which, which is what makes this strange. So that original price tag of 10 years, $700 million just seemed astronomical. And still, $460 million is a lot. But that number is skewed. That $700 million is very much skewed. $460 million is what Shohei Otani ultimately is going to be making in what the dollar is worth today in 2023. So $2 million this year. Now, I started off by saying Otani doesn't necessarily care about money. Yeah, it, it's easy to do when you're getting paid a lot, when you're getting $50 million in endorsements, which is about 10 times as much as the next highest player. I want to say that this past year, Aaron Judge made $4.5 million in endorsements, which is you know, not a ton when you look at a lot of other sports, what they make. Uh, look at basketball players with their sneaker endorsements and things of that nature. Uh, but $4.5 million for Aaron Judge and 10 times that for Shohei Otani. Now, he wants to win. He, he agreed to this deal. And again, if it was $460 million on the nose, 
we could stomach that a lot better. Put aside this $700 million deal. It's $46 million is what's being charged against the cap for the Dodgers. So that's that's basically $24 million of leeway that, that the Dodgers can go out and now spend on some other free agents before they start getting taxed because there are three different tiers. Once you go over each one, there's a higher percentage that you get taxed, and so it ends up costing you more money. The bigger thing is, is the penalties, right? You can lose some international spending money. Uh, you could have your draft picks pushed back. And Otani doesn't want that to happen to, to his new team here uh, just up the road in Orange County, going from the Angels to the Dodgers. And that's sort of where I, I think it's an interesting question to ask you out there for everyone watching, for Rockies fans, is is this worse for Angels fans right now to have to deal with Shohei Otani not only leaving, this generational player, this once-in-a-lifetime player goes beyond generations we're talking once in a lifetime player going to another team going to arguably one of your biggest rivals right right on the other the, the big kid the other the other guy right there in town going to the Dodgers and leaving you and you have to see that across town is that worse to have to stomach than player like Nolan Arenado who is not Shohei Otani we understand that but the way that it ended up happening, the trade, the fact that you really only got two players of value in Austin Gomber and Elihiris Montero. The rest were lottery tickets, and those guys are no longer with the organization anymore. You also had to pay $50 million to get this guy off your books. And so there's that to, to deal with. Was, was it really better for the future of the Rockies franchise? We haven't seen it play out that way. We're still, we're still in that future period, but in the two years since the Arenado deal, the Rockies are certainly not better for it. Are the Angels going to be better for this? They didn't make the postseason with Otani and Trout. Think about that. Six years of two of the best players in the game, and you're not able to make the postseason. That's painful for Angels fans obviously, to have to deal with. And it's, it's, it's really tough. It's really difficult to have to stomach that in a, in a major way. But the Rockies were able to get two postseason appearances out of Nolan Arenado, whereas the Angels did not get any. And, and that's rough. Do you fault the Angels for not going out and making a trade at the deadline? They ended up going all in. They acquired Mike Moustakis, we know that. CJ Crone, Randall Gritchick, Rockies, doing a nice job of taking advantage of that, getting some of the Angels' future prospects, some of their young players, young pitching prospects, in fact, from the Angels there. But maybe the Angels should have seen the writing on the wall, knowing that they were not going to be contenders. Could they have traded Otani and got some prospects back, held on to guys like Connor Van Skoyak and Jake Madden and Mason Albright, three guys that the Rockies ended up getting? Would that have been better for their future? Or holding on to Otani and all the money that he brings in on an annual basis because from, from marketing, from advertisers coming over in Japan, from people buying Otani's jersey, jersey, merchandise, all of those things. Is that money going to be better for the future of the Angels? We'll have to wait and see how that gets invested. But that is, uh, that is an interesting question I have to you out there. Is it worse right now to be an Angels fan after the loss of Otani? Or did Rockies fans have it worse when Nolan Arenado was surreptitiously traded away to the Cardinals, similar to Larry Walker, and you didn't get much back for it. In fact, you paid $51 million for that. That's, that's the million-dollar question right now in and around Denver. But uh, speaking of millions of dollars and speaking of coming out 
ahead at Bet365. You got to know they do not do ordinary. They believe every sport should be epic. So see for yourself when you sign up today because you can get the first bet safety net of $1,000 or you bet $5 and get $150 when you sign up with code DNVR. When it comes to boosts, get a better price on chosen markets for select games with the Bet365 boosts or Bet365 Super Boosts. You must be 21 or older and physically located in Colorado. Please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call or text 1-800-GAMBLER. And the Breck Brew of the month is, you know, the Christmas ale, the chill of winter. Calls for a beer with extra flavor and strength and abundance of carefully roasted malts. Create notes of caramel and chocolate, while Chinook and Mount Hood hops contribute a spicy quality for balance and clean finish made right here in Colorado by a Colorado company. Go down to... uh, you don't go down to a website. You don't go down to the internet. I guess you could. Go to the internet. Go to the web. The World Wide Web, in fact. Breckbrew.com. Breckbrew Locator. Find out where you can get the Christmas ale near you. Super producer Tiff, a.k.a. Tiff with the gift. Hello. That's my gift to you. <laughs> Tiff okay. with the gift. That's, that's the new nickname. I hope it catches on. What was your thoughts on, on Saturday or Sunday, depending on what you're doing Saturday, seeing Shohei Otani, not only to the Dodgers, but for a reported $700 million? I, let's see, so Saturday there was an Avs game. The Avs lost. It was awful. Um, it was takeover <laughs> day. Yeah. Um, but I, I was actually, it was cool seeing, like, our mm-hmm. entire chat yeah. was filled with, you know, basketball nerds and hockey yeah. nerds and football nerds and like every sort of sport like clinging on to this story. And like, you know, Lindsay was asking, like, can somebody break this down for me? Like All I right. really want to like know. Um, but yeah, it was it was really cool to kind of like get everybody's perspective on like one of the biggest or the biggest deal in sports history. Sure is. Yeah. Yeah. That that's the other pieces. It's the biggest deal. It'll be interesting. I don't know if we'll have to retract that a little bit based on the fact that we're talking about $460 million in, in real, real money, real money folks. Um, but yeah, that was exciting between Friday with the whole stuff with the plane going from John Wayne airport there in Orange County in Santa Ana up to Toronto. Is he on it? Is he not? Uh, that was, uh, that was crazy. That was, that was chaotic. Uh, I love that. But I started off by saying Otani doesn't necessarily care about money. The dude cost himself a lot of money by getting posted when he was coming over from Japan. That's another big piece is that he did not get paid a ton of money. He's, I think he's only made $35 million uh, around there. Yeah, he, he has. 35 to $39 million so far since he's, he's come over here. Had he waited two more years, he just would have been a, an untethered free agent, could have negotiated with teams. His first contract could have been $200 million. Uh, maybe maybe would have been a free agent in a couple years from now. Still could have gotten $400 million. You know, I know in his time when he was with the Nippon Ham Fighters, he lived in, like, the rookie's dorm. Uh, he, he didn't have his own place saved some money. His parents, you know, handled all of his financial affairs, was given an allowance, which he didn't even use. So he's a frugal dude. We're going to find out here, hopefully. I say hopefully almost in jest, but, you know, what's the name of his dog? That was something that was really kept under wraps. There are rumors that uh, the dog's name uh, that you saw in the MVP ceremony was uh, was somewhat connected to the team that he really wanted to go to. Is his dog named Dodger? We'll have to wait and find out. That's going to be some of the information that we're going to find out uh, about here in, in the coming days. The questions I have, of course, 
How many home runs is he going to hit in the postseason now? He, he uh, Tiff, I don't know if you know this, Shohei Otani has the same amount of base hits in the postseason as me. It's true. It's, it's fact. It's, yeah. Oh. Now, yeah, you can, oh, you can yeah, try okay. Googling oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. it. Sorry, yeah. You can try Googling it. It's going to go, I don't know who the hell Patrick Lyons is. My, my sick brain. I was like, what do you mean? Oh, yes, because he hasn't made the playoffs. Were you thinking, <laughs> that, were you thinking I was a better player than you were giving me credit for? Is it something like yeah, that? Yeah, I was like, I was like, oh, man, <laughs> did Patrick like, almost make it to the MLB? That's pretty cool. Like, I didn't think he played in the majors, but I guess if he's in the postseason, technically he didn't make a regular debut. Um, is it impossible now, again, with that lineup of Otani and Betts and Freddie Freeman, is it possible that they get no hit next season? Steven Rice of the Fresno Grizzlies, he says it's going to happen. Like, that seems unlikely, but you know what? Why not? It, those things can happen. The last two times they've been no hit. It's been by the Chicago Cubs, and it's been at Dodger Stadium. So September 9th through 11th. Keep your eye out for that. Maybe, uh, maybe it will happen. A couple of important dates for the fanatics that are out there. February 22nd, first spring training game, Dodgers, Padres. But that's in Peoria. I don't know if Otani's going to be traveling to that one. He might wait to make his official, hey, I'm playing in a game. I'm only going to have one at-bat. I'm in the Dodgers uniform. He might wait for the next day, February 23rd, Camelback Ranch versus the Padres. I want to say... Tickets for one of those games already started out uh, on uh, on game time at like $45 just for the grass, which I kind of think is a bargain to be there for that. Sure, he'll have only one at bat. He could walk, run down to first base, pinch runner comes in. But just to be there for all of that for, for under 50 bucks, not too bad. His first regular season game will be March 20th and 21st in Seoul, South Korea. The first regular season game in Korea. That's also going to be against the Padres. I don't think we're going to know anyone who goes out to that game. That's going to be a hard ticket to get. Expensive ticket. His home opener will be on what will be the opening day for everybody else here in the world. March 28th. April 5th. First game at Wrigley. He's never played at Wrigley, Wrigley before. Super excited for our friends down at CHGO Cubs. April 26th. He's going to be in Toronto. Going to be a little bit awkward. June 21st. His first game against the Angels, that'll be at Dodger Stadium. That's a little bit more awkward. And then finally, at the end of the season, September 3rd, back in Anaheim. However, as a member of the Dodgers, most awkward. Easily the most awkward of all of those things. Let's talk about the Rockies here for a little bit. Rockies are expected to sign Ariel DeHigo, a 17-year-old shortstop out of Cuba, only recently made a free agent by the commissioner's office. Uh, this according to Francis Romero of MLB.com. If you know that name, DeHigo, first and foremost, you are a baseball historian because I thought there's no way, maybe, possibly, yes, it's true. He is actually related to Hall of Famer and Negro League superstar Martin DeHigo. Uh, it's true. So the... The $500,000 is going to be about what he's going to sign for. This really won't become official until January 15th when the international signing period does start. But it does look, again, according to Francis Romero, that Ariel DeHigo will be uh, going to the Rockies there. So his father, a cousin uh, of Martin DeHigo. So there is definitely a relation there to a guy whose name is on the Cuban MVP for the National Series that they play down there, their uh, their professional league, uh, is the Martin DeHigo MVP. So 
that's a pretty neat thing that they're going to continue to bolster an international class that continues to get more and more talented, continues to get more and more loaded with hitters. Again, only being 17 years old, could be five years until he breaks into the bigs, which even then would be pretty early at 22 years old. So you don't have to worry about there being a, a crowd in the infield with a Rodgers, Tovar, Adiel Amador. Is Sterling Thompson truly just going to be a, a second baseman as, uh, as opposed to a second baseman, third baseman, outfielder? In general, so uh, that that will all shake out. But the Dodgers, uh, rather the Rockies. This is the Rockies podcast talking far too much about the Dodgers. I'm done with them. I am done with them. Talk, let's talk about the Rockies. Let's talk about a place nestled in the Rocky Mountains, right there in Breckenridge. It's Breckenridge Bourbon, the official bourbon of the Denver Broncos, widely known for their blended bourbon whiskey, a high rye mash, American style whiskey, apres. Anywhere. They're at all of the tailgates. They're at all of our watch parties. It's absolutely amazing uh, what they've been able to do uh, in, a, in a relatively short amount of time. They've, they've been taking over the game in a big way. Their Ricky Seltzers are fantastic. You can get those at the tailgates, uh, as well as all of the watch parties here on the corner of Colfax and, and York. Make sure you check them out as well. And their product at Breckenridge Distillery is available in all 50 states. Shop your local retailer or just visit BreckenridgeDistillery.com for home delivery of the award-winning Breckenridge Spirits. You can actually go down to any number of locations to get some kind love, some great flour, some great turbo joint line. They've been doing it since 2010. In fact, one of the first dispensaries right here in Colorado. You know, you could say 2010, man, that's, you know, 13 years ago. It's both a lot and a little time. There's new stores and, and new product popping up all around the city, uh, but you want to get it from a place that's been doing it and doing it as well as Kind Love. So make sure you check them out. They also are now allowing you to get a nice little discount when you use that code DNVR because they do deliver. You're going to get 25% off all the Kind Love flower pre-rolls and the turbo joint line. Make sure you visit their website at kindlove.com for their full extensive menu and that online ordering. So let's get into the winter meetings here for the Colorado Rockies. It, it started off with a bang. It's a bang that I don't, I don't know if a lot of Rockies fans heard or cared about, right? It's a tree falling in the woods. No one's around to hear it. Does it actually make a sound? I think over time you're going to realize, you know what, that it's, it's a sound. It might be a weird sound, but it's a sound. The Colorado Rockies now have two Hall of Famers. yes. Uh, after Larry Walker, we're still waiting for Todd Helton next month. We should get that word. But Jim Leland, a guy who was a manager for only one season here in Colorado, and unfortunately it, it was a failure. And, and it's unfortunate for Jim because, you know, he did talk about that uh, on Sunday in the phone call that we had with him to uh, announce that he was going into the Hall of Fame. Uh, and, and then again on Monday in the, in the press conference. In fact, I spoke with him, and one of the cool things that he did say was that, hey, you know, Todd Helton has a chance to get in to the hall this summer. And Todd played with him in 1999. That would be really cool if we went in together. So I thought that was neat that Leland is, is still thinking about Todd Helton. You know, he was asked in that uh, conversation we had with him on Sunday in that call that, you know, his, his, uh, his Hall of Fame career started out with, uh, with, a, with a superstar in Barry Bonds when they were together in Pittsburgh. And it ended with two superstar players when he was in Detroit in Miguel Cabrera and Justin Verlander. But Leland was quick to point out that he had some superstars with him along the way as well. Larry Walker, again, just that one year in Colorado, 
but that made an impression in a major way for Jim Leland and Gary Sheffield, the guy that he did a little bit of stumping for and saying, look, Gary Sheffield was the most feared right-handed hitter for a very long time in Major League Baseball. And yes, he was attached to the Balco, uh, Balco steroid scandal. That being said, you, you might know my take on this. Those guys, unless they were suspended for it, they deserve to be in. Yes, it's unfortunate. Yes, it's kind of a black mark. But that was baseball's oversight. If Bud Black, the guy who was the... Not Bud Black. <laughs> if Bud Selig, the guy who was in charge uh, of Major League Baseball, the commissioner, was fine with overlooking these guys using performance-enhancing drugs, then I think voters and the, uh, the Hall of Fame veteran committees need to overlook that as well and just say these were the best players in the game at that time. So Jim Leland, great Hall of Fame manager, 1,700 wins, 18th all-time. 72 of them came, of course, with the Rockies. Got his 1,000th win with the Rockies, took the Tigers to their last two World Series appearances, and he actually won gold with Team USA in the World Baseball Classic. Still the only guy to do that. So Jim Leland, of course, is also known for just smoking profusely. You see him in the dugout with cigarettes. Now, we know that the baseball travels about 10% further at altitude. For every cigarette, every pack of cigarettes that he smoked, how many more cigarettes actually was it? How much did that take off of his life being in Colorado, dealing with altitude, living at the ballpark? He slept at Coors Field. It's something that really upset him because he considered himself a pitcher's manager, and he very much was, and he couldn't quite figure out Coors Field. And that, that got to him to the point where he actually stepped away after one year. It's, it's again, one of the big you know, regrets in a sense. He, he felt like he really let Denver down. He felt like he let... The Rockies organization down, the fans down, and despite the fact that you know everyone in the organization treated him really well, he he just he just had to step away at that point, and and he felt very bad. Even with two more years left on his deal, stepped away, thought that he might not ever manage again. Took a job as a scout with the Cardinals, got to see those teams under Tony Larusa there in the late 2000s, how good they were, how much fun they were having in the clubhouse, and that really inspired him to get back on the field. Uh, and he did so uh, as a manager with the Detroit Tigers. So uh, ha happy ending, happy ending there for for Jim Leland. Now talking with uh, talking with Bill Schmidt, talking with Bud Black uh, over those those three days, three plus days down in Nashville at the winter meetings. News wasn't great, but it wasn't bad. Uh, kind of similar to this time last year, those winter meetings. They're not going to be doing much. It's a backup catcher. Uh, it's and it's improving the bench, which, in in the base level uh, of things, is probably just adding a left-handed hitting outfielder that's going to come off your bench. You've got a lot of right-handed hitting outfielders. You got a switch hitter and Michael Tolia, sure, uh, but you you've got a lot of right-handed hitters that are are going to be in that outfield platooning in right field. And and ultimately, what is what I've described as a six-player platoon between first base, right field, and DH. Bud Black looks at those three positions as being somewhat interchangeable. Uh, we know Tolia and Hunter Goodman can play both first base and right field. We know that Bouchard is going to be in that mix, primarily in the outfield. Hasn't really played a lot of first base in the last few years, even in the minors. And you got Montero, who's strictly a first baseman at this point. Again, from the right-hand side, those four guys are kind of in a mix for playing time when Chris Bryant is not playing first base or when he's rarely going to right field, consider that over under to be about five games in right. 
and the uh, the other 85 to 90 percent of the time when Charlie Blackman is the DH and the maybe 10 times they run him out to right field defensively. So you got six guys for three spots in the lineup. And if they add a left-handed hitting outfielder, you know, that that probably spells the end of the time for someone like a Bouchard or a Tolia or an Elahiris Montero. So not terribly exciting to think that a 103-loss team is bringing back an entire coaching staff and is talking about only improving the backup catcher spot and the bench. Not not great optics, right? Uh, but we also know that they, the Rockies are in somewhat of a holding pattern. The Rockies can't really do much right now to make themselves more relevant in 2024. They can maybe do some things that make them more relevant in 2025. And one of those things is really getting out of their own way and letting the young players play. I don't think they should be entirely punting uh, on 2024. I think there's still an opportunity to add to the roster, to get a little bit creative. There's far too many young outfielders right now in, in their farm system. And a lot of that's going to shake itself out, right? A lot of those guys are going to kind of take care of, of, of themselves uh, as far as, you know, ascending and saying, hey, you can't deny me. I, I need to be out there in, in the outfield. There's other guys that, that might continue to have some, some injury issues, might struggle as they work their way up the ladder. A lot of them haven't really proven themselves just yet. At AA, Jordan Beck maybe being the best, but even still not overwhelming. So it will sort of handle itself, but even still, You've got value right now. Once, once some of these young guys get, get exposed, maybe overexposed, and they become more of a fourth outfielder type, they have, they're going to have lost their value altogether. So now is really a great opportunity for the Rockies to go out there, take that depth, or what we've described as a glut of outfielders, use that, utilize that to try to bring in some more pitching that can help you in 2025, 2026. They did a nice job in the Rule 5 draft getting Anthony Molina, uh, but nevertheless, they need to do a little bit more than what they've been doing right now. If if they are going to try to bridge the gap and get a little bit more relevant in 2025, because as things are looking right now, they're still probably a 100-loss team next year. On offense, you look at the lineup and you say, eh, maybe it's it's closer to a 90-loss team, but on the pitching side, there's still far too many questions. And a lot of that has to do with, again, the unfortunate injuries to Herman Marquez and Antonio Senzatella. Even when they do come back from injury, you're not going to get a ton, at, a ton out of them. So what are you going to do for that? right? Cal Quantrill, I think, was a, it was a really strong pickup. But nevertheless, you still need one more guy. You still probably need two more reliable players there uh, in, in the bullpen. So... They've got, got some bigger questions really to answer, and maybe those things are going on behind the scenes. We know that uh, the Rockies are going to be on TV next year from some of the rumblings I've been hearing. It'll probably be more likely on MLB.com as opposed to the Altitude Sports route. Uh, but that does mean the reported $57 million that the Rockies are going to get or would have gotten from AT&T Sportsnet, now they're going to be getting a fraction of that. They might even be lucky to get half of that money coming in from any kind of MLB.com kind of package if it does end up going that route, which means they don't have a ton to spend probably in free agency. They, so they need to get creative uh, in, a, in a major way. Now, one of the other nice elements about Shohei Otani, of course, coming to the NOS is, yeah, the fact that that's going to be twice a year now 
that Otani will be coming to Coors Field. Because at this point, he has only traveled to Coors Field three times in his six years. And it would have continued in that route had he stayed in the American League, right? Because you play the American League once every two years in your home ballpark. Came in 2018. That was only a two-game series. Last year in 2023, that was a three-game set. And then a three-game set in 2020, which no one was there at. That was uh, an interesting game I, I, I would love to write about here this offseason. That was Charlie Blackman's walk-off Grand Slam with nobody in the building. One of the wildest games I have ever covered. And yet, as soon as it happened, it was immediately not wild because no one was there. It was a pandemic and nothing was going on in downtown on a Saturday night in Denver. So now the, uh, the Rockies get to see Shohei Otani twice every season, four times every two years. You even get him as part of your TV package. So how much does Otani coming to the NL West end up benefiting the Rockies financially? That obviously has some positive implications. Ticket prices for Dodgers games, of course, will go up a little bit more. Secondary market, the Rockies have nothing to do with that. But nevertheless, uh, the, the finances for the Rockies could be a, a little bit murky going forward here. One of the nice things, uh, of course, again, that took place at the winter meetings was the selection of Anthony Molina in the Rule 5 draft, plucked him out of the Rays organization. A lot was made about the comments that Sterling Monford, uh, the director of scouting, said about Molina kind of comparing him to Herman Marquez. When I say kind of, he was really just reiterating what Jack Gillis, a scout uh, in the Tampa area, had uh, compared Anthony Molina to, saying that, yeah, he's, he's reminds Gillis of Herman Marquez. And I don't think anyone in the organization expects Molina to become Herman Marquez. Those are really big shoes to fill. If we're talking about the Mount Rushmore of starting pitchers or pitchers in general, in Rockies franchise history, I mean, Marquez is, is on there, right? And if you don't, you don't think he deserves to be in that top four, you know he's in the conversation. So those are big boots to fill, but you like the comp to say maybe after a year in the bullpen, doing some long relief in 2024, maybe 2025, you start to see him in that rotation. And you say, hey, that is a nice low-risk piece to have. A lot of other really good pieces in the farm system Major League Baseball and, and uh, MILB.com announcing the organizational all-stars for the Rockies recently. Catcher Drew Romo, first baseman Hunter Goodman, second baseman Adel Amador at third base Sterling Thompson. Shortstop Ryan Ritter, definitely a name to keep your eye on. He went through three levels this uh, this past year plus and uh, has really been a, one of the bigger and better surprises from that 2022 draft class that has really delivered on uh, on everything that's been expected of them. In the outfield, Yankee Fernandez, Benny Montgomery, and Jimmy Heron. Starting pitchers, righty Jordan Vargas. Unfortunately, did have that Tommy John surgery, so you're not going to be hearing that name uh, until at least 2025. And then lefty Carson Palmquist, who should be in the mix. We did hear his name rattle around uh, Schmidt's mouth and, and Bud Black's mouth saying, you know, those are guys that I, I think him, definitely Joe Rock, and certainly Case Williams for the second year in a row, will be invited uh, to the big league camp uh, once that kicks off in February down at Salt River Fields. And then finally, closer Zach Agnos, one of those names to keep an eye on, similar to this time last year in talking with our buddy Stephen Rice. Angel Chavi, yes, that was a name that's now on the 40-man roster. Zach Agnos could be uh, in a similar boat 
this time next year, making some rumblings as uh, as an arm that the uh, the Rockies can't ignore and may give an opportunity to late in the 2024 season. Now, if you need to give an opportunity to a pair of shades, might I recommend the Shady Variety? Yeah, Shady Rays. That's the spot. You buy one, get one free all holiday season long. You use code DNVR. You buy a pair, you get a pair. It's amazing. Two for the price of one, you want to think of it that way? Two for yourself? Or maybe you cross two people off your list by getting the buy one and the get one free. Make good stocking stuffers. What's that? Stocking stuffers? They fit in the stockings, don't they? Yeah. They're great. No, they're fantastic. They come in their little baggie. You can use those to clean those bad boys off. If you want to see what they look like in person, you can go down, of course, to the Park Meadows Mall. You get 50% off two or more polarized pairs. If you end up doing that, I've got two of my own that uh, I, I love wearing, even in the wintertime if you're new to Colorado you know you still need to wear sunglasses a lot in the winter time here. It's the shades that have been rated five stars by over 200 folks. Tiff, how many uh, Shady Rays do you currently have in your collection right now? I have two at the moment, but I think I will probably be getting more because I'm gonna, I think I'm going to get some for stocking stuffers. That was my idea earlier. I think because of the deals, it like inspires you to go, I want to have a couple different looks. Exactly. You know, they, they yeah. make it convenient. They make it very affordable. <laughs> I never thought to say. I could pull off aviators, but they're so inexpensive that I might as well just get a pair just it, it, for the exactly. occasion. Yeah, and if you don't like it within 30 days, of course, you get a full refund if you break them. They've got the broken replacement policy. So that's, you know, that is excellent. All right, so what's going to happen the rest of this off season for the rest of MLB? Well, it's got to talk about Yoshinobu Yamamoto. He's the next guy pitching only. Uh, there's only one Otani. There will be only one Otani. But I, I really thought there was a chance that Yamamoto might get more money than Blake Snell out there for the simple fact that Blake Snell's not a, a, a big innings eater. Yes, he's the reigning NL Cy Young Award winner. Uh, but this past year, uh, in a year in which he did go longer into games, was still only tied for 43rd in uh, innings pitched per start. So, okay, last year in 22, tied for 73rd. In 2021, 101st. So he doesn't really go long, and, and teams are really valuing that. You saw that with what the Cardinals laid out there for, for Kyle Gibson, Lance Lent, and even Sonny Gray already being aggressive uh, this offseason. Cardinals doing a nice job to get their offseason start off in the right way. The Reds, too. The Reds, too, have been sneaky good with Nick Martinez, Emilio Pagan in their bullpen, and then Heimer Candelario over there at first base providing some nice thump for them. But Yoshinobu Yamamoto, dude's a beast, 172 career ERA over in NPB. And that's with a career starting at 18 years old. Uh, 121 ERA this past season. He's got great strikeout numbers, really good walk uh, ratio. Uh, his strikeout to walk rate is, is phenomenal. So better than what you saw to Kodai Senga this year. And he's only 25 years old. He's about five years younger than Kodai Senga is right now. Uh, I kind of compare him most similar to five-time All-Star Yu Darvish. So he's definitely a dude. He's the next name on the pitcher side, I think, to move before the markets for Snell. And Jordan Montgomery. If you need a lefty starter, Montgomery's that guy. If you need a closer, Josh Hader is still available out there after Craig Kimbrell, Kimbrell signed a one-year, $13 million deal with the Orioles. On the hitting side, Cody Bellinger remains best in class. You got Matt Chapman at third base. J.D. Martinez, man, 36 years old. Dude is still doing it. As a DH, 
Your people are going to pay for that. Teams are definitely going to pay for that. Might even get a two-year deal after showing he can do it in L.A. still. Uh, Jorge Soler, another guy that could be a 30-homer dude. What else is going on this offseason? Well, I'm talking about it over on, on TikTok. Been doing those things. Uh, Patrick D. Lyons, MLB. Been having a lot of fun about that. Did a video about Atlanta. The fact that they made six trades this offseason. And get this. They've traded the same guy four times. No, let me say that again. They traded four guys twice. There you go. Oh, they okay. acquired a guy, Tiff, okay. only to immediately turn around and trade him to another team. Oh. I, you rarely even see that happen of like, yeah. you acquire him and then you traded him pretty quickly. Yeah. We weren't planning on keeping you. But to do it to four different dudes, That's... it's something's going on there. Um, but I trust Alex Anthopoulos. He knows what he's doing. Uh, that's pretty interesting. Uh, there's also a 22-year-old from Japan uh, that's trying to, to come to the U.S. Uh, he may have to wait a little bit. I don't think his team is uh, interested in posting him. Roki Sasaki, uh, that was a fun little video to make. But uh, still, the hot stove league and the hot stove season is really just beginning right now. Uh, and, and, and we've got it covered uh, over on Twitter, at DNVR underscore Rockies. Make sure you're dropping us a like on YouTube as well. At Patrick D. Lyons is where I'm at. At Tiffany underscore Tano, T-A-N-O, on uh, Twitter. Tiff, the gift. Heck yeah. I'm hoping that catches on. Again, that's, that's my little that gift for you. so sweet. As, uh, as, as I take a, a little Way bit of time off. generous. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm taking a little bit of time off here. Uh, Well-deserved. I've been kind of grinding away since uh, 2018 when I was working three different jobs. Uh, and, 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 and busting my butt here, grinded away during the pandemic in 2020 and 2021. There was re- wasn't really anything else to do, I guess. So that's okay. Made the uh, jump full time to DNVR there. Took a three day vacation in February. Uh, and, and, and that's about it. So, uh, now I'm going to enjoy a little bit of quality time with my wife, uh, and, and family and, uh, Take, take a little break from, uh, from the baseball beat here for the first time, really in, in, uh, the last six years. So, uh, you know what they say when it comes to momentum in baseball? They say, I'll see you in my next start. We all silly like the mayor. 